Hello, America. I'm Robert Reese, and welcome back to the CEO Show. We're here today with Jim Keyes. How are you, Jim? I am fabulous, Robert. Great to be with you. Absolutely great to be with you. And you, you are in for a treat here because it's seldom that I get a CEO who has run two Fortune 500 companies. And we are going to hear about that from running 7-Eleven and then running Blockbuster. So you've run two very different companies. But I want to start off with something. You recently wrote a book called Education is Freedom. And this puts a whole twist on America, where we're at, what the role is. Just talk about that. What prompted you to write it and your core messages to CEOs? Sure. Well, thank you. It's 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 a it started out it has actually been a lifelong mission to try to help others have the same opportunity that I was able to enjoy. I was not one of those kids that was expected to go to college, grew up, you know, relatively uh, humble surroundings, extremely humble surroundings, we might say. Um, and yet I found the path. I found the, call it the secret to navigating the challenges of public school systems, private school systems, college, et cetera, and weaving my way into uh, corporate opportunity. Um, but the same set of skills that it took, and I, I've characterized them as C-suite learnings, to run a major company are the same set of skills you need as a young person to succeed in school. And so as I wrote the book, the target, of course, was young people because having run two large companies, I recognize that, you know, uh, the future of corporate global competitiveness is a strong, educated workforce. And we're challenged in the United States, especially right now, along those lines. So I wanted a roadmap for students. But as I wrote the book, I realized this is also a great guide for entrepreneurs, for CEOs, to be able to navigate the difficult challenges of keeping pace with a, a, an accelerating change in the environment. So, so based on this, give me one piece of advice to a CEO that they will say from the book, wow, this really resonates with me. Like I will say, I remember when I um, interviewed John Mackey, who's close to you from the founder of Whole Foods. He said, Robert, every person I meet, I learn from. He is a lifelong learner. The same way Drew Brees, in interviewing him very recently, he said it's about lifelong learning. What is the one message you have for CEOs that they could take? And, and the message can't be, Buy education is freedom. Go to Amazon. <laughs> of course, that's a great idea. That would be good too. Yeah, give me the the real stuff. Well, since they already talked about lifelong learning, I'm going to give you another one. I've coined the expression. I think I, you know, it's one of these things you come up with something that you think is magical, and then you hope that you're the first one that ever thought of this. But I've come up with the expression change equals opportunity. That acronym really as a CEO is essential. So if I was to distill everything in the book down to one critical message for anyone, an entrepreneur, a CEO of a company, it's to recognize that change equals opportunity. Wonderful. It's, you know what, I think that that is so true and people don't see it because that's where the challenges emerge. Do you Absolutely. have an example? Let's say 
because this is really leadership philosophy. Do you have an example when you were managing either um, 7-Eleven or Blockbuster where change equaled opportunity? Oh, I have thousands of examples. I've filled the book with examples of embracing change and how difficult it is. Well, but okay, so here's, here's where I want to jump in. Sure. So, uh, we'll talk about 7-Eleven in a couple of minutes. Let's talk Blockbuster. So sure. Blockbuster, um, everyone knows the story. And we all know that we learn more from challenges than opportunities. And certainly what you dealt with in Blockbuster was one of the greatest challenges ever. How did change equal opportunity when you had to go through what you went through with Blockbuster? So it's it's multifold. It, it it is such an interesting, complex quilt of opportunity that we had at Blockbuster that I'll break down two or three of the pieces. And first of all, all of the learning that people think they have with Blockbuster, ninety percent of it's false, because everyone jumps immediately to the easy answer, which is. Wow, Netflix just crushed Blockbuster because they didn't keep up with technology. Absolutely false. Now, did Netflix do a great job? Absolutely. Reed Hastings and the team over there have a lot of respect for what they accomplished. But the but the change that was occurring was an even greater opportunity for Blockbuster. When the transformation to digital became apparent, and this is when I joined the company in 2007, it was pretty clear it's coming. We were approached by the studios, five of the six major studios, with an opportunity to buy a company called Movie Link that they had created. And the reason they created it is they didn't want to happen what has happened to digital rights. In other words, this massive field of players where it's, it's a very fragmented model. And no one really knows where to go for the for the content that they want. Is it on Hulu? Is it on Netflix? On Amazon? On Google? So what we were building is the aggregated model that we would be the repository, just as the stores were, of all content. Old movies, new movies, TV shows, it would all be in one place and easily accessed. That was the model we were building. And the studios actually helped us by selling us a company called Movie Link that we rebranded Blockbuster On Demand. So that was the first. It was opportunity created by change. Clearly the, the coming change from DVDs to digital. The second change that occurred was the absolute meltdown of the financial markets. Now that wasn't such a good change as you might imagine. So change comes in many flavors. And just as we were literally high-fiving in the third quarter of 2008, having acquired the most strategic asset in the business called MovieLink, having doubled EBITDA and tripled net earnings in our third quarter of 2008, if you recall, Lehman Brothers collapsed in 2007, September 2007, the banks literally shut down and Blockbuster had a billion dollars of debt. A third of a billion dollars of debt right there. Right. We had a billion dollars of debt in going into that financial market collapse with a third of it due in 09. So you can imagine, again, uh, change reared its ugly head, this time adverse change, not positive change. 
and we had to manage it. But we did successfully take the company through a restructuring. We were able to uh, come out the other side with a strategic partner called Dish Networks mm -hmm. and succeeded in preventing a Chapter 7 liquidation of the entity by being able to restructure the company and successfully get it sold to a strategic partner, Dish. So again, change can be good, can be get, can be bad. It's your it's your response to change, not the change itself, that matters. Yeah. So what what is? And by the way, first I want to thank you because you're telling the inside story that people don't know. Business schools are not sharing this side of it. Correct. What were you going through in your head? And we all remember the financial debacle, right? While this is going through, what are you thinking right then? Correct. You know, and I mean, I'm human. So part of my thinking was, why me? You know, <laughs> why did I have to do this now? Couldn't I have waited a year and done it in 2009 and uh, or two years before? So you can't help but have that moment of doubt. But, you know, the, the one story I share is I ran into Warren Buffett at, a, uh, at an event. It was, I think, a Microsoft CEO summit, and Warren was there. And I was telling him this, and he knew me from my 7-Eleven days. And he said, you know, so how's it going, Jim? And I, I, and I told him, and, I, and I, I was almost apologetic about, yeah, I took on this blockbuster challenge. Probably not a, bad, not a good idea. I'm getting beat up. The street is now crushing me my equity because they think we won't be able to refinance the debt presses all over me. Um, and he, you know, he turned to me as only Warren can. And he said, you know, would you rather be on the sidelines watching this or in the game? <laughs> and it was, it was, it was one of those moments. It was like, you know what? It's not going to kill me, right? <laughs> it's probably going to be tough, but I'm here. And I've got a responsibility to the employees, to the shareholders, you know, to all of the stakeholders to see this through. So I stayed the course and it was the right thing to do. Not the easy path, but it was the right path. Yeah, And, and that is an incredible quote by Warren Buffett. And so so when you look at that, let, let's just talk about you're talking about leadership a lot in your book. Education is freedom. Talking about leadership a lot in 7-Eleven, how you grew that. And I mean, you, you really grew that shareholder um, value increased like 10x or something before it sold Japanese. Incredible. What are the core fundamental leadership philosophies that you have that were consistent both at 7-Eleven and in Blockbuster? If you had a really, Jim, just boil it down. Yeah, you know, it it, it is interesting how similar those two companies actually work. 7-Eleven was in the convenience business. Blockbuster was in the convenience business. And you think, convenience? They rented DVDs. No, no, no. They were in the convenient access to media entertainment business. So it's really very similar. And it, it required keeping up with change. And my epiphany came at 7-Eleven when we were actually facing bankruptcy. And I went to the chairman of the company. And I asked him, you know, should I leave? I'm still a young guy. Should I go somewhere else? We're about to, people are saying 7-Eleven is going to go away. And he gave me great advice. He said, look, our company was started in 1927 as an ice house. And somebody invented something called the fr Frigidaire. 
and people didn't need ice for their ice box anymore. And he said, we had to change. We had to adopt change. And so today, this was 1991, we're in the same boat. We we're selling beer, cigarettes, soft drinks, but everybody's selling those. So the question is, are we in the beer, soft drink, and cigarette business, or are we in the convenience business? He said, my advice, Jim, convenience will never go away. So if you find things that people need more conveniently, satisfy that demand, you'll succeed. With that, I literally set out to embrace three things. One is change was fundamental. And for any retailer, it's all about change because what customers want tomorrow is going to be different from what they wanted yesterday. You have got to embrace change and lead that change. The second is confidence because fear is the killer of most companies. People are worried. They don't have the self-confidence. There's imposter syndrome. Maybe I can't succeed, et cetera. I'm afraid of failure. So you've got to overcome fear with confidence. And confidence is all about preparation. And the third is clarity. And I, I think it's, um, was it um, da, uh, da Vinci, I think, that said, you know, the true elegance is taking the complex and making it simple. And it is so difficult for leaders because we tend to be very technical and we are so detailed in our explanation of solutions that we forget the need for simplicity. So I've embraced those three things, keeping up with change, having confidence and clarity of communications, especially both outbound and inbound listening. Those are the three elements that I think I'd give as advice for any entrepreneur, CEO, you know, or a person trying to improve their life. And, and there you have it. You've just gotten a PhD in how to be successful. And I think it was Einstein who said, make things as simple as possible, just not simpler. We're about to take a commercial break. When we come back with Jim Keyes, we are going to find out to me right now, this change equals opportunities is the one statement you need to remember. We are going to find out why when we come back. And then we're going to hear, how do you start out in small town and become CEO of 7-Eleven? Back in a few. Hi, this is Robert Brees on The CEO Show, where we interview the CEOs who have reinvented the fabric of America. We're here today with Jim Keyes and the CEO of 7-Eleven, CEO of Blockbuster, um, and the author of the new Education is Freedom. And by the way, after this, not now, then go to Amazon and buy that book. And so what I'm thinking this is, you said change equals opportunity. But really, it became pretty evident that that is change is a C, equals is an E, and opportunity is an O. So when you think of the job CEO, it's really change equals opportunity, correct? Exactly. And, and, and two, I, it took me half of my career to realize that. I, you know, I hadn't really embraced the idea that all commerce, if you think about it, go all the way back to the earliest days of commerce, came from someone satisfying a need. And that need often arose from change in the, in the environment. I need to uh, travel to the other side of town. I'm going to sell you some tires or a wheel or whatever it is. Um, but 
change is constant. It's the only constant in business. And most of commerce results from people being able to adapt to change and satisfy a demand that ultimately was caused by change. So we are going to find out about how you became CEO, but I want to talk about the one concept of reputation, which everyone talks about. And you're in a unique position having managed two, which I thought were very different, but actually now I understand are very similar Fortune 500 entities and took both to success in very different ways in managing 7-Eleven and Blockbuster what does the concept of reputation really mean to you? Well, brand is critical. I'm a big believer in the power of brand. And 7-Eleven, of course, is a brand recognized all over the world. Blockbuster, the, you know, the um, popular culture around Blockbuster is amazing. I still have people come up to me with their little blue Blockbuster cards. So here are two brands that... Uh, had true passion around them. But, you know, brand is also carries over to the individual. And an individual has a brand, your background, the where you went to school, how you what you studied, the resume that you have. Uh, those are the, the, the more tangible, you know, measurable uh, things that become part of your individual brand. But there's also that element, and I, I, I characterize it in the book as one of the whys of education. Why do we go to school? Why do we have to learn? Well, character is one of those big things, and character is a big part of brand. So do you have integrity? Can people trust your word? Can they count on you? And especially in a leadership role, that integrity is critical. Humility the ability to know that you have more to learn. So I can sound like the most confident guy in the world, but I also have the humility that comes with knowing I have more to learn and that someone I can always learn from is right around the corner. And then uh, things like uh, uh, the ability to have compassion, to have gratitude. Um, those are the elements that make up character that I think are a critical part of brand for both the individual and ironically for the corporation itself. Okay. That's an answer. I like it. So let, let's go into something you grew up and it was unlikely that you would become a CEO. Just talk through some of the key steps and what you learned about success and about failure and how they work together to ultimately become CEO of 7-Eleven. I know it worked through golf and everything. So just talk through that. Well, you know, I grew up as as many of us do. And, I, you know, one could say, well, he grew up in poverty. He didn't have running water in his house. He lived in a little three-room, you know, shack, basically, when I was growing up in Massachusetts. Um, but it wasn't that that was the challenge. I didn't even know I was poor. Um, it was the broken home, you know, the mom bailing out of, you know, leaving the family. Um, it was a house being condemned. It was, you know, all kinds of challenges as a child that I had to face. And I, you know, I used to sit around and say, geez, why me? You know, why am I having to deal with this? And it wasn't until many years later that I began to reflect on that and say, you know what? 
those challenges, that adversity that I had as a kid actually prepared me for the adversity that you're bound to face in life later on, whether it's your personal life or your career. So here I go off. I, I found that in my case, education was the answer. It was my escape, both from the reality of my surroundings at the time. It was a good distraction that kept me from worrying about the personal life that I was struggling with. But also, um, it ended up being the thing that gave me opportunity. It opened doors for me that I never would have been able to have open because I did pretty well in school. So I was able to advance, get some scholarships, go on to college, go on to graduate school. Never in a million years did I even dream that I'd be at a, a place like Columbia Graduate School of Business, but I was able to do it. And, uh, and all of that looking back came from that adversity that gave me a level of grit and determination. I have a, des a, a, a plaque on my desk today that's a Calvin Coolidge quote that's persistence and determination are omnipotent. He called it press, the, press on. And he talks about genius and talent and all those things, but it comes down to persistence and determination. And my personal challenges as a child gave me that persistence and determination. Turns out adversity was a gift in, a, in such an ironic way. It, it, it's so interesting. I, I, I've heard this from several CEOs, but that really ties into your change equals opportunity about adversity. Exactly. No, because companies, you know, I saw it at 7-Eleven. I get to 7-Eleven and all of a sudden they did an LBO in 1987. They did it during Black Monday. Stock got crushed proceeded with $4 billion of debt at 16 at 16%. And, you know, it was at that point, it was a matter of time. They couldn't satisfy the debt load. Um, and the, you know, the, I'm sitting there saying, what's the future? I mentioned going to this chairman of the company and ask him if I should leave. Well, most people in that adverse environment put their head down. They, they go home early. They stop working. They start looking for a job. A lot of people bail. I took the opposite approach. I said, you know what? I've come out of other bad situations on top. So I started working harder. And, you know, I ended up coming out of that very awful situation where I thought I was going to lose my job with a promotion. I ended up being named vice president of strategic planning for the company uh, because our division did well during that adverse time and it, and I was rewarded for it. So, you know, adversity can actually be an opportunity if, if you look at it that way, just as change is opportunity. Absolutely. You've time for one final question, which is what is your advice to CEOs to help build America and the world? Cause we're all, we're one global, you know, society. Exactly. My advice to CEOs is to be proactive in reaching out to address the education needs of both the country, your local community, and your corporation. Because ultimately, the success of America, where we stand today, is directly attributable to all the way back to Jefferson, who said, 
that the basis of a democracy and the ability for people to self-govern is an educated populace. The same thing applies to a corporation. We need edu an educated workforce. I found 20 years ago, it was harder and harder to hire educated employees. Today, it's going in the wrong direction. And so corporations, I think, we represent the demand. The supply is public schools and, and, and education facilities, academia. We have got to protect our demand by investing in the future of our company and in the future of this country by investing in education. It's really the purpose of my book called Education is Freedom, called to action individuals and for corporations. And on that note, Jim, I really commend you on your important work and on bringing education is freedom and a, as a future path for America. Great having you on the CEO show. Thank you, Robert. I really appreciate it. And everyone, let, let's think of two messages. Number one, your title, CEO, means change equals opportunity. And the second is what we just learned from Warren Buffett. When you're in a challenging time, and we know adversity could be the key from what we've heard from, from Jim, you'd ra would you rather be on the sidelines or in the game? Just think that. See you all next week. <laughs>